I've noticed that one of the things that often put people off of talking about Christianity or the gospel to their friends is the fear of sounding like a freak or being asked hard questions that they can't answer. People dread it, not being able to give you know some perfect answer or an adequate answer to the questions in a way that'll really sound like good news, so they usually just don't. People will ask them, like, well, doesn't the Bible contradict itself? Or is the Bible meant to be read literally? Or what about other religions? Everyone else can't be totally wrong. Or isn't Christianity racist and sexist and homophobic? Or here's the big one. If God's so good, why are so many bad things happening in the world? Responding to questions like these is what we commonly call apologetics. But focusing our evangelism on winning a spiritual tug of war is not a great approach to evangelism. Apologetics is for the defense of the faith within our faith communities and makes for poor evangelism outside the church. And with each other, we always have to remember that it's with gentleness and respect that we're to discuss differences in our understanding and belief. Let's be sure to get our hearts in that position before we jump into a debate. This is a Life School Podcast, episode number 212. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath, always good to be with you. I'm excited for today. Yeah, man. Probably the best day of my life. Wow. Why? It's tax day. You know, we should have done no, an episode on giving giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, huh? Ooh. <laughs> Any, yeah. But start thinking you could, about... You, you could actually abuse that verse with your name, right? I don't really want to talk about the whole taxes thing. You know, we, we have multiple streams of income from like publishing and books and like yeah. speak here and then we do that. And this, my accountants are always like ripping their hair out. Like, <laughs> like can't you just get like one sort of W-2 or whatever it's called? I don't even yeah, know. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, let's hit a real quick review that came in a couple weeks ago. Real Time 84 says, Great. It's easy to engage the podcast with real life scenarios. Scenarios and fun hosts totally awesome. appreciate these weekly encouragements. Awesome. I think we're kind of fun. That's great. Hey, could I ask people too, would you, whatever you're listening on right now, would you, you know, if you're in the podcast app, would you hit subscribe to mm-hmm. the podcast now so that boom, on Mondays you get this right away? And if you would like just do us the biggest favor, hop on into iTunes. And I think you probably do that on your phone as well. Yep. And leave a review. And, you know, give us some stars, give an honest review so that others can sort of follow your breadcrumbs and, and find the show as well. Yeah. Super helpful. I mean, really, I know. And you hear us, we say it a lot, but we don't get a whole lot of reviews in there. So, but we're growing in listenership. So would you just, I know like, you know, it's, it's, it sucks, but just stop for like 60 seconds and hop into iTunes for us. That'd yeah. be, we'll know and, and we'll probably read it in your name. Or your little handily name yeah, on, make, make it, on air, yeah. Make it sort of fun. All right. Okay, so today we've got two big words in our title this week, right? We've got apologetics and we've got evangelism. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things that we like to do ahead of time on shows like this is to really set some definitions so that we know what kind of playing field we're operating in when we talk about these words. Yeah. So maybe give us a couple definitions to apologetics and then to evangelism. Okay, yeah, we want to get on the same sh- same foot here. Okay, um, so... Today, let me just say up front, I'm not going to attempt to make a case for or against apologetics. Some people love it, okay? So I'm not here to make the case against it or for it even. It exists, it's real. And when used in the correct context with the right motives, it's a very important and necessary tool for us within the church. Yeah. What I want to offer today is more of an observation with maybe a gentle warning, okay? okay? So let's start off with a little 
possibly familiar sounding role play. Okay, you and I are going to do, do a, a little role play. Okay, so here, here's what's going to do. Um, Heath's going to play Aaron. Aaron's uh, not a Christian, but he's a gentle guy. Sure. Okay, and I'm going to play Mike. I'm a Christian who thinks this is a perfect uh, opening to witness to my pal. Okay, right. so we'll see how this conversation sounds. Okay, Aaron, go ahead. Man, I am so frustrated with politics and our government right now. I wish there was a better way. Well, I'm sure glad that God is in control, uh, you know, and powerful over everything, including our government. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I mean, just look at our country right now, let alone our world. Come on, Aaron. The Bible teaches that. Da, 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 da. And if you look at the history of Israel and their leaders throughout history, and da, 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 and here's some facts about the numbers seven and twelve and forty. And da, 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 da. yeah, I don't think that makes a ton of sense right now. Try telling that to my sister who's trying to get health care. Yeah. Well, come on, Aaron. I mean, the reason that so many people are hurting in our country right now is they reject the plain truth laid out in the Holy Scriptures. I mean, I just showed you proof. I guess we might not see things quite the same way on this. Why don't we get together so I can show you a chart that I have that proves that governments throughout all of history are actually under you? Uh, that's all right, Mike. I think I'll pass. Okay. <laughs> so that's a little caricature-ish, but yeah. probably sounds familiar. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I actually kind of pulled that from memory banks, you know? <laughs> it's really funny. Man. As we were reading it, I was like, oh, man, I've been here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right now, everybody would love it if I gave you the more loving and gospel-fluent version of how this conversation would go, right? Mm -hmm. But keep listening, because we will. But it, it's going to come later, so you'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, But first, let's dive into what apologetics actually is and how it was used in the Bible, okay? Okay. Uh, I've noticed that one of the things that often, like I said, put people off about Christianity or or speaking about the gospel to their friends is this fear of sounding like Mike, <laughs> yeah, right? Or being asked hard questions like, I don't want to come off as hard or weird, or I don't want to be like a goofus either, and I don't, want, I don't have all the right answers. And so people dread not being able to give adequate answers to, to, to questions that come their mm -hmm. way. Um, and they want it to sound like good news, but we're not that fluent in the gospel of the good news, right? So questions like, doesn't the Bible contradict itself, or is the Bible meant to be read literally? Well, parts are, parts aren't. Which parts? I don't know. Sure. I should know. You know. What about other religions? Come, come on, you're saying Christians are the only ones that have it right? Can't everybody else be wrong? Um, or, or people will say, well, how come Christianity has to be so racist and homophobic or sexist, right? right. Or hasn't science disproved most of the Bible and Christianity already? Or if God is so good, this is the biggie, uh, and powerful, why do so many bad things continue to happen? And I'm sure if you're listening today, you've got your own list of questions that you'd either want to ask God face-to-face -face, or you've been asked or you fear being asked, mm. okay? And so responding to questions like these is commonly called apologetics. Apologetics comes, I'm going to have to go a little deep here, comes from the Greek word apologia. And I'm probably not pronouncing that right. My Greek's not the best. Okay, apologia, which means defense or answer. And it's the word used in 1 Peter 3.15, where we find the most commonly used case made for Christians to be engaging in apologetics. Okay, this is what it says. It says, in your hearts, revere, which means to set apart or sanctify, Christ is Lord. Revere Christ is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. And that's where that word apologia comes in. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Hmm. But do this with gentleness and respect. So the word apologia here, while not meaning apologetics per se in our modern technical sense, does indicate, I think, that Christians are to be prepared to explain their confession of Christ as Lord. Sure. But that last part of the verse there is super key, with gentleness and respect. 
In other words, see what he's saying here? Like, be prepared to say why you have hope for your finances, for your kid's future, for the sickness you might be experiencing or the loss of job. But do it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't say get after every doctrine and prove your side of the case, sure. right? Do it, you know, Talk about the hope you have with gentleness and respect. And let's be sure that, that our hearts are in that position before we jump into it. Mm-hmm. Now, in the message version of the Bible by Eugene Peterson, his translation, I think it really helps us find the tone and posture that we're trying to capture here. He says, that, here's how he reads that, that verse in, in 1 Peter 3. He says, through thick and thin, Keep your hearts at attention, in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. (laughs) Wow. Good Eugene, man. He does it every time. That's awesome, right? And it doesn't sound like the way you just said it. This doesn't sound like a command to get into arguments to me, right? (laughs) No, it's the opposite. Do we find the use of what we call apologetics anywhere in the New Testament even? Well... Not really. I mean, although perhaps none of the New Testament writings would fairly be classified as a formal, you know, apologetic exposition, some of them exhibit what I think it's fair to call apologetic concerns, okay? okay. The New Testament writers in, in many, uh, many of the books, are, they anticipate and answer objections, and they look to demonstrate the credibility of the claims and the testimony and the credentials of Christ, Think about it. It's all brand new. Um, much of much of the New Testament was written to Jewish people, right? So they had faith sure. in God, and they were waiting for Messiah. But now they're saying Messiah came, and that was the guy you nailed to the cross. And holy, you know, here here's the truth. And so they're focused on his resurrection as the historical foundation upon which Christianity, which it wasn't even called back then, mm. <laughs> is built. Yep. And and many of the New Testament writings are occupied with polemics against false teachings in which the apologetic concern, quote-unquote, is to defend the gospel against distortion from within the church, meaning adding to it, like, oh, wait a minute, you you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. Mm, no. Sure. <laughs> you know, or, you know, this is, this is what happened in the past, and if you're not doing what happened in the past, then you're, you're missing it. No. And so most of the things that we would say were apologetic concerns, they were uh, to defend the gospel against distortion from within the church. Hmm. And I think it's really important for us to note that most of what we see is a defense of the gospel against perversion from within the existing faith community, so Jewish or other, sure. and this newly forming church. Remember, the, the Bible wasn't written down and distributed yet. Yep. Like There weren't copies of it. Jesus yeah. never had a copy of the New Testament. None of the disciples or Jesus owned copy of the Torah. There was only a handful of those, you know, painstakingly hand transcribed. And so this apologetics was for the defense of the faith within the faith community, but it wasn't their form of evangelism. Now, there's one example, and I don't have time to unpack it for us, okay, that seems to differ a little bit. It's found in Paul's address to the Athenians in Acts 17 of Theriopagus. And for more on that, you can read your Bible, and, or you can check out my book, Bigger Gospel, which I get into that a little bit more. Yeah, okay? it's a great book. It's still, though, you see what he's doing, and it's <laughs> it's not our common use of, like, let's figure out how to argue people into the kingdom. Sure. Let's prove them wrong, or prove they're a liar, or prove they're you know going to hell, or something, yep. and that'll somehow soften their hearts, and we'll argue them into the kingdom. Good luck. I just <laughs> don't know of anybody who has ever argued into the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. I was. I would say that, yeah, people. Uh, I mean, I, the fear of hell was dangled in front of me, and 
and it pushed me to make a decision to like follow Jesus, but it was never out of an identity standpoint. It was like, well, yeah, people you're gonna... get into like, how old is the earth and oh, yeah. moon rocks, they were brought back and all this, and there was never <laughs> a flood. And they, you know what I mean? They get yeah, into all kinds of stuff and like, stuff. no, we didn't come from apes and like, oh, but the, this, but sorry, but the Israelites are this way and you're not that. And it's like, and we, and, but they'll, they'll get into this standing out in the street corner with oh, people. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awful. And you're like, whoa, 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 listen, you d- debate that within the faith family. But remember, with gentleness and respect. Yeah, which it rarely seems to be done that way. And, and if it's not about your hope, it's it's something else. Anyway. Okay, so what about the word uh, evangelism, or maybe the commonly held ideas of evangelism? What does that look like? Okay, so evangelism is a term we often use to refer to the preaching of the gospel. Okay, it comes from that same Greek word for gospel, uh, euangelion. I can't even... I, I'm so bad with Greek, okay? <laughs> sure. I want to say evangelion. You're doing better than me, yeah. It's like, it's yeah, you can go online and hear it. And it it means literally gospeling, hmm. okay? When we evangelize, we are gospeling. We're good newsing, okay? Sure. We're spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so evangelism is one way in which we can fulfill Christ's call to be his witnesses. We see that in Acts 1.8. Okay, we're called to be his witnesses. And that's there again, that's a common verse. That's why you witness. That's why we go out and evangelize. Hmm. Okay. In our Christian circles, witnessing involves making visible what is otherwise invisible. Think about it, right? That's what it means to witness. I saw it. I want you to be able to see it. This witnessing deals with others now witnessing or seeing something or someone in a new or different light. Now, let's, let's remember here. That God's eternal purpose is that the world would be filled with his glory, what he's really like, his essence, his beauty, his compassion. And that is why the church exists. Why we exist and therefore evangelize or gospel others must first and foremost show them what God is really truly like. In other words, we're witnessing Hmm. to what he's like. We're showing others so they might witness what he's like and is he nerdy or picky or pushy or angry or mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, so that's not what witnessing is either. And it's not some prescribed, pre-rehearsed speech. Yeah. There again, back to even like if we want to bring these two terms together, uh, you know, from apologetics, from apologia, it's it's are you are you explaining why you have hope in this area of your life? Why the gospel, in other words, why Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has bearing on your marriage hmm. or or your job change or man that bad report from the doctor or whatever, right? Sure, that's what's supposed to be wit we're witnessing to, not rambling off some old two thousand year old historical facts about a guy who died on a cross they don't even understand or believe and saying so that's why you don't have to worry about your job. Yeah. What? How does that? That's not. That's not good newsing anybody because it doesn't sound like good news. Yeah, exactly. Good news is good news, right? I remember being raised in a church environment where a lot of the, there was like these techniques to evangelism. We had the Romans road or there was these chick tracks. There was different resources. There was even a tactic. Certain guys too that really just taught this stuff. Oh yeah. You know, and I won't get it. I don't want to say their names and they're (laughs) well-meaning, awesome, you know, but. Good dudes. But I remember this. Uh, there was a teaching that came out that was like, "Have you ever stolen a paperclip?" Yeah, they teach work? you how to say this. Like, are you a st- are you a liar, a thief, or a murderer? yeah, adulterer? Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you ever looked at a woman and thought, you know, and you're you, like, you know, you took a paperclip from work? Never nothing. How about a pen accidentally in your pocket? Oh, well, see, you're well a by thief. your own admission, you're lying, thieving, stealing. You yeah, know? what? And so you're like, oh. I remember that teaching. Oh man, me too. Where do these people miss the mark? Like, in, <laughs> in some sense, 
like maybe you can explain if you think that the way that we do evangelism actually reveals maybe some of the things that we tend to think are true about God. It, it is. I, it is. How, how we see God and what we think the true gospel is and what it's about and, and what it affects and what it says about us and how we get to live will completely speak into what we think it means to witness or to evangel to good news people, right? Mm. And I'll tell you, trickery and deception like this, like, hey, you know, da-da-da-da, well, have you ever stole a paperclip? Well, you just told me you weren't, so now you are. You're a lying thief, you know, like yeah. I said. I don't think trickery and deception was Jesus' model. <laughs> you know, mm. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. I, I, I like to do this. It's a bit of a hobby. I think I've shared it on the show before. Um, there's, yeah, I, We go down to Portland. There's the Saturday Market. If anybody's ever been there, it's really fun. It's an open-air market and all. Oh, and there's, cool. there's music and every kind of food and weird, cool T-shirts. And it's kind of a freak show, right? Yeah. There's always the bullhorn guy. Oh, yeah. Bullhorn. sign. He's screaming. He's screaming, screaming. It's all super distorted. And all you can hear every once in a while, the word like repent or the word hell, uh, hell or wrath, Fire. Is, you know, it'll squeak out and you kind of get that word. And I like to go up to those guys and play dumb and ask really standard questions about hmm. the gospel. And, and yeah, they don't usually end up very happy, you know? <laughs> I kind of turn, I turn it around on them. I'm like, well, where's the good news, Nick? Is the gospel's called the good news, right? Anyway, so, wow. um, and, and here's the thing, in all those kind of methods, and you know what, if people feel convicted to do it, and I know people listening are going like, well, you're saying we shouldn't do street evangelism. I'm going like, consider if it's really good news or not. And, mm. and consider where do you see Jesus going up to people and hammering them yeah. about wrath and hell and all, right? It's, nope. it's, it, you just don't. don't. So um, in these methods, there's no relationship. I even had one guy say, oh, wait a minute, you're one of those guys that thinks you should be friendly to people first. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, friend of sinners, I, like Jesus, that's what I'm trying to be like. <laughs> um, and in these methods, there's no relationship, there's no understanding of their life or their what they've experienced, their perspectives, past hurts or problems, things they've been through. And yes, it does reveal our own hearts in understanding the gospel. And it, you know what? It takes on a very narrow view of the gospel and treats the good news as if it only applies to our afterlife. Because yeah. a lot of that stuff where we go, we take apologetics and we kind of use it to beat up people and try to argue them into the kingdom. And it's not all that good news, but we, they, you know, they finally hit the mat and go, I give. It, it, it's, it's almost always, what I've seen, it's always focused on our afterlife. Yeah. And it's never good news for like, hey, I'm sorry that you, you know, you're, you're, kids at the doctor again yep. and like what you were just going through you know london and yeah. like, oh my gosh is there good news in there yeah like where did you place your hope was it in the doctors or was it in your lord who created london you yeah. know all that so we could talk about it but i wasn't like going like well you just got to get to church and pray more and then london yeah. wouldn't be sick you know like that's not isn't good it great news. that jesus died on the cross for his sins and you're like yeah, yeah but well, why yeah. doesn't he heal him <laughs> yeah that's why i'm healed you know yeah. And so, yeah, you it's, know, it's think... just too narrow of a view and and i think when you know when you see the bullhorn guy you just go oh man what a small weird mean understanding of the gospel that yeah. person must have though they're doing it with with true conviction yeah. you know absolutely yeah you know when we look at the life of jesus uh i th- i tend to think that we see a lot less of the you know get him to say a quick prayer or this three-step plan to following himself and a whole lot more of the come and be with me like come come observe my ways come do life with me yeah. sort of relational evangelism right come and follow me be with me that's yeah what said. come see it how i live and it's it's hard for us to want to believe it, but when Jesus said that, and, and he did not make disciples of people who had already said a prayer. Yeah. When they followed him, they they started to walk in his ways to come to know the truth that began to set him free. Jesus mm-hmm. says that in John 8. And so, wait a minute. You mean that Jesus didn't disciple Christians? Hmm. He didn't get... He, Jesus never said, repeat after me and invite me into your heart. Here we go. You know, he never did it. Yep. And so... 
and by the way, some of his disciples, it says in Matthew 28, when they watched him ascending into the sky, when he returned to the Father, the 11 were there watching, and some still did not believe. So either Jesus sucked at evangelism and discipleship, yeah. or he had a longer view and a different understanding of what was going on. Was he actually, in fact, helping them move from unbelief to belief in every area of life? Mm. Because the goal was of what true salvation is, is to be discipled into displaying the goodness and glory of God in every area of life, yep. experiencing it, speaking it, right? All yeah. that, right? So I keep going back over and over to this idea that Jesus actually wanted people to come and live in the here and now of the kingdom, seeing the world filled with his glory every day, which glory, as we talk about on the show, is what he's like, seeing the world filled with him, what he's like. <laughs> Your life filled with him, yeah. So it's this relational evangelism that we talk about on the show. Um, what are some steps that we can take, if we're feeling maybe convicted right now, that will help us move into a more vibrant relationships with intentionality in our neighborhood and our jobs and different areas like that? And, I think, in doing evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Because right? I, I, we're not called to, like, it says, how will they know if they don't hear? Like, you are called to give the reason for your hope, right? Yeah. We They need to. We get to. Well, I think the hearer, okay, the person you're talking to, often dictates how our message of the good news is received. And I'm not saying the gospel changes, but, you know, like you, you look at Jesus, you know, he, he, when he went to a blind man, he healed his blindness. He didn't say, get up and walk. And the guy's like, I already can walk. Well, that's what I had for you today, you know? Or, you know, when he, he you know, when he told, he didn't tell everybody to get up and walk, or he didn't spit in the dirt and put, you know, sure. he, hungry, he fed hungry people. So his good news was always good news in context. Hmm. And therefore, that shapes how it may need to be delivered. Yep. If you were to say to a three, and, and, and that's everything in life, think about it. If you were to say to a three-year-old boy who's out helping his mother in the yard, look at you, you're so big, he'd probably be proud and receive your words as a compliment. But if you went up to his mother <laughs> with the exact same time and phrase and said, look at you, you're so big. Black eye. <laughs> yeah, she might, you know. <laughs> so your audience matters. So here's, here's, here's a few thoughts, okay? Ask yourself, do I know enough about this person and their story to give a loving response to that mm -hmm. question, whatever it is? Yep. Or that situation or whatever. Um, do I have the necessary relational capital and relationship and trust needed to to get into that discussion with them? Because hmm. I have people throw out polemics sometimes. Sure. You know, it's just like, well, what about this? And it's like, I don't think we have enough of a relationship to go there. It's kind of a red herring yeah, of some sorts. capital that needs to be Yeah, built. yeah. So I'm going to, you know. Uh, here's another thing. How will they hear what I'm trying to communicate? Is there enough back? That's why we love getting into the story of God with people as early in relationships as possible. So they kind of have this overarching understanding yeah. of who God is and what he's up to and who he's created us to be, right? Yeah. Um, how about this? Is now and here the environment, is it conducive for this type of conversation? Hmm. Is this the right time and place? Yep. Because it's not always. But some, I used to remember thinking like, oh, I had someone say this to me the other day. Yeah, I used to be, if anybody, if I ever heard somebody arguing about something and it had some spiritual overtones or it was, I didn't agree with it or it was wrong, I had to get in there. I had to. Sure. You can't just have a different opinion in the room. Yeah. You know? uh, how about this? Is it the right time to go there with him or her? Or, or are there other things that might actually be way more important involved in, you hmm. know, in their lives right now? And they need to see the father's love and feel like part of his family. They need to come and walk in his sure. ways for a while letting God deal with that later. Yeah. Or maybe using you to do that or maybe using someone else. So apologetics, it's not a dirty word. It just depends on how you use it, to whom you're talking and where and when, hmm. okay? So how about to wrap this up? Let's go back to our conversation now between Mike and Aaron and see if there may be a better way to start, 
you know, into a spiritual conversation with somebody than the first example that we heard earlier on. So if you remember, okay, so Aaron is this, you know, not believer, but he's a pretty nice guy, a pretty general guy. And Mike's the guy who's always looking for the opening, right? Yep. But maybe this is a little better way of getting at it. Okay? All right. So here I go as Aaron. All right. Man, I am so frustrated with politics and our government right now. I just, I really do wish there was a better way. I hear you, Aaron. There's a lot of pain and division out there right now. People are flipping out, and I feel it inside of me, too. I know you're a Christian, and we might have different views on this, but what's your thoughts on what we're experiencing right now? You know, man, I look in the mirror, and I want to see this perfect, always-loving guy looking back at me each day, but that's not always the case. And I wonder if any real solutions to the fighting and the division in our country needs to start there, like inside of me, and maybe inside of you, too, Aaron, first. Like, maybe it starts with us. Yeah, I guess, I guess it does make sense that cities or countries and nations can't really change if the people in them don't begin to first change. I really do believe, Aaron, in a God who is love and calls us to love others in a way that we love ourselves. I, I, I do believe that, and, and I, I think it starts with us, man. Well, that sounds good, but, but how the heck do we start doing that? Well, that gets pretty, <laughs> that gets pretty heavy and a bit nuanced because there's a lot of messed up stuff out there. Why don't we get together for coffee or maybe a beer later this week and see if we can begin to find some good starting points? I'd really like to hear more about your story too. Sounds great. I'll probably also want to pick your brain a little bit about your fantasy league choices this season. Yeah. <laughs> so can you feel the difference in that? There again, this is a bit canned because, you know, we're, we're reading it, but it's not weird. It's not an argument. It's a much better beginning moving forward towards deep spiritual discussions and relationship with someone. And you're not hiding your faith. In fact, in this case, Aaron already knew, you know, that you're a Christian hmm. and he might not believe. But because you were, because, you know, Mike was cool about this, there's an openness there. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to win every argument. <laughs> in fact, evangelism and witnessing is not an argument. I just, I just don't yeah. see that. I just don't see where that's what not apologetics is for the defense of the faith within the faith community, but gently. Mm. <laughs> I love that, man. And witnessing is helping people witness, see what we've seen of the beauty and the magnitude and the glory of Christ and his father. Yeah. That's Amen. what's going on there, man. Amen. Let's get to the big three for this week. Uh, and the big three, if you haven't haven't joined us yet, or if you've been busy dropping your kids off at school, uh, it's something that we want you to walk away with. If we could distill the three main takeaways from this particular episode, what would we want you to walk away with? So I'll tell them to you, yeah. but... You can download a copy of The Big Three by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three. Caesar, what would you say are the big three for this week? Okay, so here, here you go. Here's the big three. Don't miss these. First, Jesus called us and privileged us to be his witness in the world. What are people seeing or witnessing in our lives, our attitude, words, and our approach to them. It is most often not Jesus that people reject, but rather our approach to them in unpersonal or pushy or tricky ways. Is that what God's really like? I don't think so. Hmm. Okay, secondly, the gospel is good news for all of life. And while apologetic and evangelistic methods are important and may be helpful at times, the Bible does not attribute the success of the gospel to human rhetoric or our perfect strategies. It's the gospel that has the power to set people free and yeah. restore relationships. Absolutely. Not our methods or our perfectly crafted arguments. So go easy on those well-meaning door knockers who arrive at your house, you know, every yeah. few weeks, right? Absolutely. Okay. Third, 
Focusing our evangelism on trying to get people to say a special prayer or on us winning a spiritual tug of war is not a great approach to evangelism. Just, yeah, I hope you're not missing that. Sure. <laughs> Apologetics is for the defense of the faith within our faith communities, and it makes for really poor evangelism outside the church. And with each other, always remember that it's with gentleness and respect that we're to discuss our differences in our understanding or our belief. Let's be sure to get our hearts in that type of position before we jump into debates with others. Hmm. That's good, man. Thank you for those big three. Again, if you want to get the free download, all you need to do is go to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three, and you'll receive the notes for this week. Boom. Hey, if you haven't yet joined our Facebook group, facebook.com, go up to the search bar at the top, type in Life School Podcast. We will add you to the group, and you can yeah. have a conversation with us, and yeah, it's like favorite. all the groups. You got a request to join kind of thing, yeah. and then it goes ding, and we go, you're in, and that's just how the groups work. And yep, you're so. in until you start acting like a buffoon, right? Yeah, if you start arguing with people without gentleness and respect. <laughs> yeah. You're gone. Ding, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, join us next week. We're going to talk about how to identify major idols in your life. Whoa. I think it's going to be a good one. Like People... I know I've gotten I've gotten called out and it's easy to think. Gonna get rid of all the totem poles, all the little statues around your house. <laughs> Dream catchers. Get a little bobblehead from you know the Magic Eight Balls. Yeah, Russell they're... Wilson bobblehead. Get gotta get rid of that. <laughs> they're all gone. So yeah, join us next week on that show. It'll be released next Monday morning, like we do every single week. And it's we... not about bobbleheads or totem poles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Different kind of idol. Yeah. And we'll expose them next week. Thanks for joining us for today's show. You can get more information on this podcast by going to one two three lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. 